Stephanie Schaefer, and you're listening to the North Star Narrative, a podcast from North Star Academy. I want to thank you for joining us. I hope you're encouraged, challenged, and motivated by what you learned today. Enjoy the story. Hey, everyone. So glad you're tuning in today. We have a special treat here with us today, Dr. Annie Gallagher, and she is an expert in her field of biblical worldview, and I'm so excited for her to come. This episode is especially for parents and teachers who are working intentionally with students, um, and maybe they're in your home, they're in your classroom, maybe they're at church. Um, wherever you are investing in students, you will not want to miss this, so please stay tuned, and you're going to learn ways to instill a biblical worldview into your students. And as you know, there are so many things coming up against our students today, things we don't even understand, maybe things we don't even know, and we have to be prepared for those things. And what is so amazing is that every subject, every area, I know that we're teaching here at North Star Academy, God is woven throughout it, and He is in everything because He created everything. And so we're going to touch on that today. How can you be intentional about pointing your students to Christ in every area? Maybe when you're just sitting down having a conversation at dinner, or you're on a walk with your kids in the park, or you're in algebra, or you're in PE, whatever it is. I'm so excited. So please stay tuned today. Um, Dr. Annie Gallagher has earned a Bachelor's of Science in Early Childhood Education from Pennsylvania State University, a Master's in Education with a focus in Curriculum and Instruction from the University of Maryland, and a PhD in Educational Leadership Curriculum and Instruction from Columbia International University. She has spent so much time coaching um, teachers in the U.S. and internationally. She has founded Transformed PD, where she has created the PAC method. We're going to see if we can get her to give us a glimpse into that today. Um, she provides Christ-centered instruction, which she has developed um, during her doctoral research at Columbia International University that was supported by Summit Ministries. She believes that by facilitating professional growth in teachers and administrators focused on kingdom education, that students will benefit by receiving quality biblical education. In turn, the biblical education will foster a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, demonstrated through Christ-like thinking and living. And that is why we're here, to know Jesus and to make Him known. So thank you so much, Dr. Annie Gallagher, for joining us today. Thank you. I am so honored to be here. Um, I'm just um, have a passion for working with parents and educators and how to authentically help them to see that Jesus is in all things. I um, mean, you know, just like it says in Colossians 1, 15 through 17, that Christ is in all and through all. He created all things. He's before all things. And so when we're thinking about integrating biblical truth, we really don't need to do that. Our job is actually to reveal the truth that's already there. And so that's my passion to work with educators. And um, I'm honored to be here today. I'm so thrilled that you're so passionate. And we have had the privilege at Nix and at North Star to be able to have her invest in us um, by coming live and teaching us and then making videos and doing so many things. So I know we're so thankful across the network for your passion and expertise. First, I want to start off so you love horses, obviously, because you said that you spend a lot of your free time cleaning up after horses. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of lessons when you are mucking stalls, when you're, um, you know, cleaning after all of the messes that they make and preparing for them to come into the barn and just a lot of life lessons about 
humility, about um, a lot of prayer time that I have with the Lord when I'm doing that. So while it's fun to be with the horses, and we have a lot of animals on our on our little, I guess you could call it a hobby farm where we live in Kentucky, but um, we have a lot of different animals. Most of them are rescues and um, animals that just needed some extra TLC. But that time that I spend in the barn cleaning stalls and preparing for the horses is just a really good time for prayer, for worship, and to learn about how life is messy at some times, you know, there's (laughs) just things that you have to do that maybe aren't the most pleasant, but they're really good learning experiences. Mm. That's so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great examples you probably have to give um, those that you're coaching from your experience. Yeah, it is. You know, there's a lot with, if you think about when you're coaching, people kind of the way that you look at it is a lot of times people will go into the coaching mode thinking that they have to be the tellers. They have to be the one who are, who's always um, kind of telling people what to do or correcting them. And it's really not about that. It's about a gentle guiding about um, asking really good questions to get your, the person you're working with, whether it's a child, whether you're coaching a child or you're coaching a teenager or even working with adults, that it's just being a good question asker to get them to reflect on things that are going well, things that need to be refined, things that um, like just to get them to reflect on why did you make those choices? What was your rationale when you made those choices? So you can get them to repeat the things that are working well and get them to refine or alter the things that maybe not go so well. And with animals, it's very similar. You don't force, you gently coax and you gently guide with positive reinforcement. For them, it's a lot of physical positive reinforcement, which we don't do that with people because that's not biblical, but you do the emotional reinforcement and you get them to think about what did work and how do I repeat that again? Because I got the results that I was hoping for in my students or in myself. So there are some similarities with the patience, with the um, the gentleness that you need to use and with the gentle guiding. Um, with horses, it's interesting because we, if the listeners, if anybody knows anything about dressage, a lot of people who don't know about horses think that you do a lot of the steering with the reins. And actually, that's not true. This, the, um, most of the riding skill comes from your weight distribution and the pressure that you apply with different parts of your legs, whether it's your knees or your thighs or your lower leg or your heels. And so that pressure applied in just the right place, um, makes the horse maneuver in a certain way, makes them bend and flex their bodies. It makes them put their feet in different locations. And that's exactly what we're kind of doing with coaching. You're providing gentle pressure um, or encouragement. You could look at more as encouragement to um, get them to, to gradually move to the path of success rather than forcing them or pushing them or shoving them or gr- dragging them on the pathway that mm. you would like them to be on. That's really good. And from my experience, you are very gentle in your coaching. And um, I love that. So today you're going to be encouraged because I know you, I've been encouraged um, with her gentle, you know, reinforcing the same thing over and over. So I love that. And so thankful for that about you. We're not going to be drug along. No, no, it's just a gentle, it's a lot of it happens to, to do with thinking. It's, it's getting to reflect on if this, if I got the results that I wanted, and this is anything, this is even if we're problem solving or working on a financial bud- budget, did you get the results that you were hoping for? And then to back up and say, what steps contributed to the outcome? 
if I got the results that I was hoping for, what were the steps that I took to get to that positive result? So what I need to repeat those again. So I get success again the next time. If I don't get the results that I want, it doesn't mean I necessarily failed. And I think that's the other thing. Often when we don't get the results that we want, teachers may get very discouraged or parents may get very discouraged, especially if they're homeschool parents that I'm a failure. I can't do this. And that's really not the right response. The right response is let's back up and see what part of this journey or what part of this path or what decisions that I make that did not lead to the results that I wanted. So I need to change those. I need to go back and shift directions. I need to do something a little bit differently. I need to refine something. So it's not a pass fail. It's you have to look at life as a journey. Look at these outcomes that you're hoping for learning for personal success, for even spiritual growth. It's a journey. And so what do I need to refine or alter to get to that outcome that I'm hoping for? That's so good. And that makes me think of, we're in a journey together with Jesus and community. Absolutely. So whether it's all of his creation, whether it's animals or people that we're in that together and just about relationships. So everything you're going to hear today is because of people, because of Jesus, because of relationships he wants us to you know, really press into. So tell us to start off, why is Christian education so important, especially in our time today? Well, I think one of the things that we need to understand, and I believe that Christian parents who are big supporters and um, lovers of Christian education, they understand this. But every Every education is faith-based education. Everybody believes in something. You have faith or trust in something. And so faith is not just this emotional response. Faith is what we trust in to be true. Every single person who is created on this earth believes that something is true. You know, they have a set of beliefs or presuppositions that they say, this is what I believe to be right and true, and I'm going to follow these things. So every education, whether it's public school education whether it's a charter school, there is a set of beliefs that that educational organization is adhering to. Now, they may not articulate them as Christian educators do, but you can tell by watching how they run their policies, what type of subject matter they're going to teach, how they teach that subject matter, all of those things will give you glimpses into that set of beliefs that that educational organization is following. And for Christian education and Christian educator and Christian educators, the best thing is that we are believing that the that God's word is true, that Jesus is who He says He is, and because of that, we are going to try to live a way and learn in a way that we see His world through His eyes. That is the power of Christian education. It's an intentionality, um, but I think there's kind of a misnomer too that. Christian education is only what happens in the classroom. And I believe that I see with the North Star families, my um, knowing a few of them who are strong supporters of your program as well, that they understand that Christian education is not just what happens in the classroom, that it is the relationship that I have not just with my teacher, but also with my, my parents with my community, with my pastor, with my Sunday school teacher, with the other people that I spend my day with, that those relationships have a huge influence on how I think. It has a huge influence on the other relationships that I'm going to forge, and it has a huge influence on how I'm going to behave. And so um, 
Christian education is part of what we see in the classroom, and it's important that it should support and augment what we're exposing our kids to at home from a Christian perspective, as well as what they are hearing from the pulpit from that Christian perspective as well. So it's part of the package. It's part of that that triad relationship that we have as um, family, church, mm-hmm. and, and school. Yeah, that makes me think of, you know, parents can't just take their kids to Sunday morning church and expect, oh, they're going to get everything they need. And then maybe they'll get some at school and maybe every once in a while we'll talk about something at home, Mm -hmm. but it really is intentionality um, every moment in your student's life, in your child's life. So talk more about that. How important is it to be intentional? What does that look like? So intentionality comes really in three three aspects or three dimensions. Um, We are wired even um, you know, we talked a little bit about how everything is a faith-based school. Everything comes from a faith-based perspective. And we act on our faith and we um, sort of respond or grow in our faith on three dimensions. And those three dimensions very simply are head, heart, and hands. So we learn what to trust and we respond to trusting based on our thinking likewise the things that that are confronting us are going to affect our thinking so the people that we relate to the books we read the social media that we're confronted with um the education the curriculum and how that curriculum is presented is going to affect our thinking the second dimension is our heart so that deals with our emotions and our relationships and as we know jesus has wired us for a relationship christianity is not a religion it is a relationship with the king of the universe and so education should also help us forge a relationship with jesus christ that should be the outcome that we grow in relationship with him but also we grow in relationship horizontally with the people that we're around likewise we are similarly influenced by the relationships that we have around us. So our teachers, our friends, the people that we play sports teams on, the um, the people that we meet at church, all of those people influence us. Those relationships influence our beliefs. And then thirdly, we have the um, the hands part, which is our behaviors. Now, in sc- from a school perspective, um, the intentionality is going to come through how those policies set. Are those policies such as discipline or the policies of admission or the policies of when assignments need to get turned in? Are they fostering a biblical way of life? Are they honoring how God kind of sets up what is right and wrong as well? Similarly, those policies, those behaviors or the behaviors that we see other people engage in are going to influence us for what we believe and how we respond to Jesus as well. So there, we have to be intentional, not just with um, relationships, but we have to be intentional with the type of thinking that we're engaging students in, also the type of thinking that we are engaging ourselves in. And then similarly, the behaviors, the activities that we're involved in are going to influence our our set of beliefs and what we see other people doing is going to influence our beliefs. You know, I, I spent some time recently with my um, two-year-old granddaughter just over the weekend, and it's amazing how God has created, wired their brains to be sponges. They absorb everything. And even now, she can memorize songs. She can um, imitate 
different um her mom and dad like to watch dancing with the stars sometimes and though she will imitate you know the little dances that they're doing she has key phrases that she uses and she she's very definite about what she likes and what she doesn't doesn't like and she's able to communicate that but you think about like the songs that we sing when we're just driving in the car those songs that she sings because of the relationships that she has because of the intentionality with the stories that her parents are reading her, with the school that she's attending, she, the language that's coming out of her is God honoring. The songs that she's singing are actually teaching theological truth because of the surroundings that she's in, the intentionality that she's being exposed to. So it's not just, um, what we say to kids. It's not just, how we interact with them, it's the whole package. And so, um, and it happens from the day of birth. Um, one of the things that we do during training is that we try to show the teachers um, this progression of spiritual formation, how it happens. And it starts from the day of birth. The day a child is born, comes into this world, um, there's things that happen on those very first days of birth that will influence their ability to trust Jesus Christ as an adult. And there are things like the consistency with which the primary caregiver provides for that child. Are there consistent schedules? Is the child feeling loved and held and supported and safe? Those types of things will establish very early on a sense of trust or distrust. And that sense of trust that is established in infancy will eventually enable that child to start to trust other people and eventually our Lord, or it could slow that process down and actually hamper that. So the intentionality is um, meaning that we have to like, how are we engaging our, the kids in thinking? Even at, at a preschool age, what types of books are we engaging them with? What types of, um, conversations are we having them? What, how are we answering their questions? What kinds of questions are we asking them with the relationship they need from very early on to feel that they are safe, that they can build trust with the right people, that people love them, that people attend to them. Those things will then carry through for the rest of their life on how they're going to eventually trust Jesus Christ. And likewise, they're watching how we behave and how um, the, beha- the activities that we're involving them in. There is a book, I think um, the, la- the author's last name is Smith. I cannot remember his um, first name, but he talks about the liturgies in life that we establish. Liturgy is a repeated habit. Usually we think of liturgy at church. These are routines that we do in church for worship or the pattern, the traditional patterns that we might have in a particular denomination. But we have liturgies of life, repeated patterns and routines that we establish. These liturgies will help our kids actually establish, how do I communicate with Jesus? So are we praying at the dinner table? Are we praying before we go to bed? Are Do our children see us taking time to sit and soak up God's Word? Do they see us praying? Those liturgies, those routines, and it's not something that just happens sporadically, but those routines that we're establishing in our homes and in our households, and the same routines that are established in schools, whether they're online schools or they're brick-and-mortar schools, those routines are helping the kids understand, can I communicate with Jesus? How do I communicate with Jesus? What does he think of me and why is this important? Yeah. Well, 
That was so much. There's so much good in that. One thing I would go back to, I would challenge, it starts before birth, because even praying over your child while you're pregnant, because I go back to the intentionality of if we're going to be prepared to speak into a student at whatever level, you might be an administrator, teacher, um, parent, we have to be intentional about our relationship with him. So go into, because I know that's your biggest passion, you know, we have to be intentional first. So I see that early on before the child's even born. What has that person that's carrying the child Mm -hmm. or fathering the child been through? You are, you are so right. Absolutely. So right. Because, um, we can't pour into the children that we're teaching or the children that we're raising if we don't have um, an ongoing deep relationship mm-hmm. with Jesus Christ ourselves. We can't pour out what we don't have within us. And so you are so right that we need to be personally intentional about making sure we are consistently maintaining our relationship and deeping, deepening and growing in our relationship with Jesus, but then praying over those children mm-hmm. for protection. Um, you're absolutely right. So thank you for bringing that to the surface. I just know, yeah, I've got three children of my own and then all these children that are in my path at North Star and beyond at church. And we can do so many things, but without starting in prayer, without praying over them, that's where the power is. And that's where God, you know, is working. We don't understand prayer. Really, it's so deep and it's so higher than us, but we know God uses it and works through it. So I would just say that number one thing, I mean, you got to start with prayer for God to ready our hearts because we don't know what's coming. We don't know what what our kids are going to ask us today, you know. One thing I wanted to point out was listening, I think, is part of the intentionality because if we're so busy as an educator or parent, whatever, then we might miss these special little moments with our kids where they are asking a question we do not want to miss. Do you want to talk well, about absolutely. that? Absolutely. Um, we have our teachers or educators, we have our craft, which, you know, are putting the good lesson plans together, but always being sensitive and seeking the Holy Spirit. So are we listening for the prompting of the Holy Spirit? Are we sensing when the Holy Spirit is saying, you need to stop right now. This is what you have on paper, what you're planned or as a parent, you know, what you're planning to do right now. Stop because there's a a window into a child's Mm -hmm. heart right now or a window into your teenager's heart right now that you may, you may, that window may not open again. So be ready as, and be listening to the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. That is such a powerful attribute that you just brought up that I kind of, not that I overlooked it, but yeah, I get, you know, I get caught up just like everybody else with. We got, we have all these things we have to do as teachers, but absolutely you need to stop oh, yeah. and listen to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. My six-year-old son has been asking some questions. So that's why it's on my mind. I'm like, what if I miss that? He was just asking, mom, how do we know that God is real? which is a pretty big question for a six-year-old. And so we were able to talk about that. And I, I responded by asking him questions and letting him think, just like you're talking about. And our curriculum team at North Star is reading a book about asking good questions. How do we get our students? And it's all about being a lifelong learner and asking the right questions. You know, we you haven't arrived. I haven't arrived. That's what's so cool. Absolutely. We're lifelong mm-hmm. learners, and it's so fun. And so we want to pass that passion on to the educators that are with us. I know that's what you want to do. But... Um, I was able to bring that back up. We were in the hammock yesterday and I just said, you know, because we were out in the creation and I was like, you know, you asked me that question about how do we know God is real? Have you thought about it more? You know, how do you know? Do you think God's real? And he's like, yes. And I'm like, well, how do you know? And he said, you know, you told me that um, either God created all of this or it just pow, 
happened. He said, that doesn't make sense to me. Oh my heavens. He is brilliant. <laughs> but he can see that as a six-year-old. That's the conversation. So I'm just thinking, man, a main point today that God's really just put on my heart is don't miss whoever's listening right now. Don't miss those opportunities for conversations. Maybe it's while you're lesson planning, you know, you're listening to the Holy Spirit, not just Oh, I got to check off the box. I got to get this planned, but really being intentional. And um, I remember I did a video for our curriculum authors. They go through this rigorous process um, to become a curriculum author and just said, hey, it's okay just to sit and cry and know that this is hard work because it's good work. You've brought up a really good point. There's probably some listeners right now that are saying, I wish I was like Stephanie because I can't answer that question if my child asked it to me. So I'm going to push that question to the side. Because I don't have an answer for that. I can't answer that myself. I haven't really thought about it. And I want to encourage you that to not give up on that, to not say because you don't think you have the answer that you need to ignore the question or push it aside um, for two reasons. One is there's, we, we, it's not something that you just automatically have. It's a, again, it's a process. It's a journey. So I would recommend that you, be a little intentional yourself and try to learn a little bit more about how do I answer some of these big questions. There are some really good children's books written by um, biblical authors that kind of answer some of those worldview questions that you've just brought up yourself. And so a lot of times, you know, we as adults will learn through ch- children's literature just as our little ones will learn or our teenagers will learn through Christian literature. And so that's one way. There are some resources or podcasts or books that I would recommend. I've had to read them myself and listen. I continually, every time I'm on a long drive, I drive a lot because I travel a lot to do teaching and coaching. And um, I'm always listening to podcasts or worldview speakers. And that whole term worldview seems so, oh, it just seems so scary and overwhelming with people because it it seems like it's intimidating. I'm not a thinker like that, or I can't understand the words that they're saying, but I just would like to suggest a couple of resources to you. One is um, the author Jay Warner Wallace, and he has a, a website called Cold Case Christianity. He also wrote a book by the same title, Cold Case Christianity. He actually uh, began his life as a um, uh, L.A. cold case co- uh, detective. He researched these cold case crimes and solved them. So he's a, he's a police officer. He's a detective. And he came to the Lord because somebody posed a question to him. He was in church and they, his wife thought that his kids should somehow come to know Christ. And he wanted to know a little bit about Christ. He was raised in a different faith. And the pastor during the sermon said, Jesus is the smartest person who ever lived. And he said, oh, I got to find out about this guy. So we really started to do some research. And because he's an evidence-based occupation, he um, approached this looking for the evidence. Did the resurrection really happen? Because he thought if Jesus really brought himself back to life, no one out, no person could ever do that. If he was really able to do that, if that was a true occurrence and not just a made up story, then I can believe anything that man says. So he really started with the resurrection of Christ as opposed to the creation story. Long story short, he obviously found evidence outside of the Bible that proved that Christ was resurrected. So therefore, he, I use his podcast all the, all the time. He has a great app, and on his app, he has this space on his app called Quick Shots. So when you get some of these really big questions, these worldview questions that you don't have answers to, you can go to Quick Shots. He has the question there, and he has like 
maybe two paragraphs that explain the answer. So even if you're in a conversation with someone and they ask you a deep question, you're thinking, oh my goodness, I don't know how to answer this. You can quickly look down at the app, <laughs> pretend you're looking at a text and say, oh, well, here's what the answer is to that. But he is a really good source. I listen to all the time. I listen to his podcasts um, when I'm driving because he just explains how to relate to our present day world from a biblical perspective in very simple terms. And you don't have to be a, a genius or a trained theologian or, you know, have a seminary degree to understand it. The other resource is, um, you need to Google Mama Bear Apologetics by Hillary Ferrer. And she has a book by that name. She has, um, a great Facebook page and a website where you can get all, again, all kinds of resources that, um, her book, Mama Bear Apologetics, is geared towards homeschool educators, parents. And so she has some really great um, material that you can read that will help you understand. But when you get confronted with these questions that your kids ask, don't push them off. Be transparent and say, you know, that's a really great question. I'm not sure I have the answer either. Let's look at, let's see if we can find some answers together. And if your kids are little, I would start to look for just some children's literature books. Go on to some um, faith-based bookstore um, websites and just kind of even Google maybe um, books about cre- God's creation or books about who Jesus is. And you will find some great children's literature mm-hmm. that will help you through that. And then some of those other resources that That's I've mentioned. Good. Actually, if you're a listener, then you have listened to Amy Davis, who is oh. with the Mama Bear Apologetics, <laughs> yes. just came out. Um, and you'll want to yeah check that out. Amy Davis is awesome, too. And then great we've had the One Minute Apologist on and Ray Comfort. So we have done some series on yes. apologetics. And yeah, there's so much out there. And some of it is real quick that you can get these mm-hmm. little tiny snippets um, or you can listen longer if you have more time. But yeah, you've got to be intentional yeah. about doing you that. You do. And I don't have a lot of time to sit and read because I'm moving all the time. But you think about how much time, even if you're a parent and you you spend in the car, now you don't want to ignore your kids either. That's another part. That's a golden opportunity to have those windows into their hearts mm-hmm. where you get to have conversations. But to certainly... um if you have some time to listen to something, yeah. maybe you're driving. vacuuming, exactly. get your earpods in, or gardening, gardening, or cleaning stalls, or getting dressed. You can have your little speaker <laughs> in your bathroom. Exactly. Yeah. yeah exactly. So, there's so you many know, opportunities. And the other thing I just wanted to mention the whole this whole thing about conversation. So the Barna Group. Um, if you're not familiar with the Barna Group, the Barna Group does a lot of research in the area of Christianity. So Christian educators, um, churches, pastors. They recently have spent several years studying the Generation Z or the Gen Zs, which are the kids that are now sitting in the classroom. These kids are in uh, grades kindergarten and now are just starting to enter the workforce. So they're in their early 20s. And as looking at this generation and watching, again, the continuing trend that the younger people are leaving the church and not returning, There's not they're not returning. It used to be that they would leave the millennials left, but then they started to come back. The Gen Zs are leaving and not coming back. But there's, so I was reading a lot of their research on all the trends and the characteristics of the predominant, the, the majority of the Gen Z group. But there's this small subset of Gen Z kids that are not following the trends of losing their faith, of um, kind of deconstructing things and 
making Jesus kind of fit into the culture as opposed to using Jesus as the standard, there's a subset of kids that are not following the trends. When you look at the characteristics of those kids, one of the key features that comes out is those kids are having regular conversations at home with their parents about faith-based issues. They're having regular discussions just in the course of the day. A lot of times it might be around the dinner table or in the car, but there's an intentionality with the parents that they're having some of these tough discussions. When our kids were growing up, um, one of the complaints they would hear when we would have, you know, have sit down and, or we would say no to something that everybody else was doing, our kids would, in frustration, say, nobody else's parents are doing this. Nobody else's parents are making their, their, their kids do this. And my husband's response was, because they're not willing to have the conversation. I'm willing to have this hard conversation. And that's really, Another key factor with intentionality that you're having these conversations, you're not going to have all the answers. We didn't either, but we spent some time together trying to find some good resources or talk to good people Mm -hmm. that had more information with us so we could grow together as a family rather than just Mm -hmm. push it to the side. And that goes back to the lifelong learner. We're learning right alongside them. And I think when they see that, they're going to embrace it Mm -hmm. more, the conversation. Absolutely. We're not just telling them, but we're gently guiding while we're learning too. Absolutely. Yes. You're so right. Mm -hmm. So good. Okay. So one thing I want to touch on is every subject you can teach a biblical worldview, because I think some people think, oh, well, yeah, my kid's going to learn that in Bible class or at Sunday school or whatever. But what about every single subject in a school? Go. I'm going to go right back to Colossians 1, 15 through 17, that Christ is in, on, through all. So a lot of times when we talk about that term biblical integration or worldview integration or permeation or whatever you want to say, we think falsely that we have to add something in, that we have to take a biblical principle and we have to add it in. And we really don't. What we need to do is look at the principle and say, how do we see God there? How do we see God's design there? So when I work with teachers, when I work with educators, um, that's part of what we do is we say, okay, I want you to just sit down and I want you to think about um, let's just think about maybe genetics. That's a common ninth grade topic. How do you see anything about how, how the nature of God, his personality or his, just his being? Do we see anything about the nature of God that we see that kind of permeates through this whole topic of genetics? And the obvious thing is, well, when we're talking about genetics, we're talking about the design. We're talking about the code of creation, the code of the DNA. That code, if you study that, I mean, it's a, it is a code. A code has to come from an intelligent being. There has to be a creator. It doesn't just randomly happen because a code has structure and has patterns in it. So just by looking at the whole idea that genetics means there's a code that's following, there's a key that 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 just begs the idea that there's a creator. There's somebody that created that, that put that code into place. So we see that the nature of God, his creative tendencies, not tendencies, his creative abilities are apparent in genetics. And then you say, okay, so let's go about the nature of man. Is there anything about this category of man that deals with genetics? Well, absolutely, because we, this creative code there's a physical part of it, but now we have a spiritual part of the nature of man that 
we are created in God's image. So we have a lot of God's attributes. So what I'm asking teachers to basically do is to look at five key areas about the content. Is there anything about the nature of God that we see kind of permeating through the content that we're teaching? And if there is, then kind of make a statement. What is the nature of God that we see permeating through that? Make that statement. Now pose a question that is going to ask, that's going to help your kids discover that attribute. Not tell them, because remember, thinking has to be involved. So we don't want to tell the kids, oh yeah, can't you clearly see that there's a code here and that, you know, that just tells us that there was a creator that made this code? No. What you would do is ask a question. If we have a code for creation, does that imply that this happened on purpose or that it happened by accident? And let the child pick on that. And then I would actually have them say, so how do you know, what is the evidence or the proof, whatever choice that you make? And they will, they will see that you can't prove that it happened by accident. You, there's not enough evidence that said this would happen by accident. So that leans them to it have to happen on purpose. Okay. If this happened on purpose, what does that tell us about how this code all came to be? So by questioning, you can actually lead them to discover those truths rather than just telling them. Learning happens when we think on it on our own rather than somebody just telling us. It's not, learning doesn't happen deeply inside our minds and our hearts if we're told, but it helps us take things deeply into our minds and hearts if we have to think about it on our own. So what I'm asking teachers to do is ask, do you see anything about God? that permeates through here. Do you any, see anything about just the nature of the created world that is, is permeating through here? Do you, any, do you see anything that talks about um, the nature of man? You know, the fact that we're sinful, the fact that we are created in God's image. Do you see any elements of that permeating through curriculum? Do you see any ethical elements permeating through this subject matter? Is there an implied right or wrong? Does that implied right or wrong um, stand up to what the Bible tells us? Is there any kind of element of what is truth? Is that, you know, do you see the uh, idea permeating through that? And let's explore that. Or do you see anything about the purpose of life or how people should live life? Do we see any elements of that? Those things are going to permeate through your content. And that's where you say, now, let's look at this idea that's permeated through here and line that up. Does it match scripture? Does it match what God says or does it not? And just like your six-year-old said, that doesn't make sense. If we go this way, if we think about it this way, that doesn't make sense. Kids can do that yeah. too. Even kindergartners can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so just like my six-year-old, if he's having those questions at his level now, and then he gets those same questions in second grade and then third grade and fourth grade, it just develops into greater um, knowledge, but then it's got to go to the heart. I love how you pointed that out. You know, I've got another kid that is has a photogenic memory, so she can regurgitate anything that she sees. Um but if it's, that's not going to go to the heart, you know, unless she has to think through it, apply it. Does this make sense? Just like you're asking. And so that's so, so, so good. All right. So you actually have just led us through some important worldview questions that um, we need to be asking ourselves and our kids because um, there's so many cultural things that are coming up against God's word. And it might be easy like, okay, in our Bible course, we're going to have our spiritual lens on, but maybe in some other courses or some other topics, um, we might compartmentalize Jesus and the word. So talk to us about um, these other worldviews and how what questions we need to be asking. Right. So we talked a little bit about how every content area, every organization is going to come from some faith 
worldview perspective. That's just how we are. I mean, we all have trust and believe in things and, and something. What we need to do, especially with these big ideas that were coming through, like social studies, like critical race theory or how to, um, environmental conservation, those kinds of things. The first thing that we as parents and as teachers need to do is help to first identify what is the belief that is undergirding those ideas and then say, does that belief line up with biblical truth? So if we're talking about conservation, if we say, um, is it that the, the big idea is that it's right to steward God's earth? Absolutely it is. That is in Genesis that lines up with the biblical perspective. But if we are going to value animals and um, trees over people, that does not line up with the biblical perspective. So you have to really make sure that you're, you're distilling everything down to what is the core set of beliefs that are supporting this movement or this idea and make sure that you can similarly accurately um, name the biblical ideas. Sometimes what we do is we just say, oh, yes, it matches, but we're not looking at the nuances. And we need to make sure that we're looking at, do we really have the undergirding ideas in their truest sense? And then does that compare with what the Bible really says about that? The other thing that we need to make sure we're doing is that we're not just focusing on one scripture. This is one of the things when I'm working with teachers and um, what we always have the teachers do is identify the idea or the belief in their content, whether it's social studies or science or in the literature units or world languages or even in PE because we have lots of non-biblical ideas that are entering the health, the health um, arena right now. So things like meditation. So what we do is say, identify the core belief in your content. Don't hide it because we want the kids to build the skills and the ability to discern these ideas and to compare them. So identify those core beliefs and then have the kids compare those beliefs with the biblical perspective. But those biblical perspective has to be drawn from scripture, not from me as the teacher, because, you know, a lot of cases... And especially I know at North Star, your teachers do a great job trying to build relationship as best they can through that online platform. And that is a powerful way of faith development is through relationship. But because of the relationship I might have with them, they may believe me and I may be wrong. I may have misinterpreted something. So we want to make sure that the interpretation comes from scripture, but not just one scripture. We can be guilty of pulling one verse out of context and using that to base our entire perspective off, off of. And a lot of times people who are kind of trying to counter biblical truth or, um, debunk it, so to speak, like you can really debunk biblical truth or, you know, make it seem like it's not accurate or it's not, it's not sensitive enough to the culture. It's not relevant enough. They just take one part of it out of context instead of looking at the big picture. So make sure when you're doing, when you're, what we do with the teachers is making sure they're using a collection of verses that give the holistic view of that, especially if it's a social issue. What does the Bible say completely about this rather than just grabbing one verse and saying, well, it talks about this and this similar, this singular verse. That's not giving a good perspective. So part of being an educator for worldview, you know, where you're using worldview thinking is that you also develop some skills in, in interpreting scripture accurately by using the context of where that verse is found 
and then using a holistic perspective. So you're not just pulling one verse out of context. So we have the teachers look at the worldview questions, identify those core beliefs of the content, and then match that with the core beliefs of Bible, but using the holistic perspective of the Bible rather than just one verse. Yeah. And just in case they missed it, go back over the main worldview questions that we need to be asking. So there's basically five. Um, there's more, but the five kind of keep you in the categories of worldview. We always need to focus on God. So like, who is God? Um, and then a sub-question to that would be, what's he like? Is he real? Those kinds of things. The second category is creation. How was creation made? Is it on purpose? Did it happen by accident? What attributes do we see in creation? The third category is man or humans or human beings. What are they like? The fact that we are sinful, that we are physical and we're spiritual. We have two parts to us. And also that um, we are image bearers. So we have, you know, attributes that we that were endowed to us by our creator. And we have some responsibilities that were endowed to us by our creator, um, such as the creation mandate. We were, we were given to rule and, and steward God's earth. Then the fourth category is ethics. So it's about right and wrong. How do we know what's right and wrong? How do we know how to make certain decisions? Is there a right and wrong? Is there an absolute right and wrong? So that's the fourth category. And then the fifth category is basically how do we do life? What's our purpose? How do we live with other people? Um, how, what's our view of history? Those kinds of things. Hmm. Yeah. Important questions. And so if anyone's listening right now and they're a little scared or hesitant or like, I'm not prepared. Um, what are some ways or what is some encouragement you would give to teachers and parents that have really tough topics they know they need to talk about so they don't shy away? First is, as you mentioned, pray. Every morning, pray that we can be sensitive to what we're encountering and that we can respond with grace and mm-hmm. transparency, that it's oh, our kids need to see that we don't have all the answers either and that we can learn alongside them. That's the first thing. The second then, if you don't have an answer, seek the answer out. There's a lot of things that you can find simply by Googling the question. Um, but I would try to find some good resources. So I would, um, the you know, the, the previous um, speakers you've had had on your podcast would are great. Um, I really highly recommend Mama Bear Apologetics because you can just get tidbits from them. If you, if you follow them on their social media platforms, I highly recommend, um, Jay Warner Wallace's. Again, um, he sends emails out. You can get on his email subscription and he's just a, he's just a guy, very personable, but I learn a lot from him. So just kind of get in the habit. The other thing we used to do with our kids is we used to ask some of these deep questions or our kids would ask them and we would discuss them at the dinner table and we didn't have all the answers either, but we would, kind of um, work through them together, you know, find some other resources and work through together. Another thing to do is to just be present in your, 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 your kids' lives. Um, even TV shows, you know, there's some TV shows, a lot of the TV shows, if you're even watching TV anymore, <laughs> um, there's a lot of non-biblical ideas there. So you have to kind of weigh, depending on the age of your child, do you want to just eliminate those from their viewing right now? I'm not sure that's always healthy, that it would be better to watch it with them. 
and then start to ask some questions. We would pause these things periodically and say, okay, let's just talk about what happened in that family right now as we were watching that show. Let's talk about what you thought about that. Let's talk about, does that seem to, to, to honor how God wants us to live it as a family? So you're kind of bringing that attention up to them to notice when something is not right, something doesn't feel right, or something is not that we're going to be basing things on our feelings, but that they're starting to recognize when something is out of kilter from a biblical perspective. Um, sometimes I think if we shelter kids so they are seeing nothing that is non-biblical, that they we're not e- then equipping them with how to deal with that. And part of our jobs as parents and as educators is to make sure that we are filling their minds with what is pure and holy and lovely and noteworthy. But at the same time, we have to equip them to, how do I respond to these things that don't line up with God's word? And if we're not arming them with good responses, um, then I think we're not giving them a complete education. That's really good. And that reminds me of back to the mama bear apologetics. Um, they talk about the chew and spit method. I love that. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that. So the chew and spit is really a great way. I, it makes me chuckle every time because I grew up on a farm and she's really referring to, she was raised on a farm, a cattle farm, and they always had beef for dinner probably five times a week. And you, we all know, we've even been in a nice restaurant and you maybe have a very savory piece of meat that you're you're chewing on and chewing on, but there's maybe some gristle or some bone chips in there and you have to politely discard those. And she said, with ideas, we need to do the same thing. We need to teach our kids to identify, again, the idea, not just the whole circumstance, but what is the core idea? What is the core belief that is being promoted here or being popularized? Identify what that is and chew on it. Think on it a little while to decide what part of this is worth keeping and worth learning from and what part of it needs to be politely discarded and kind of set off to the side because it doesn't match biblical truth. A lot of times as Christian educators, again, I kind of alluded to this when I was talking about the sheltering part, we tell kids it's either all good or it's all bad. And then they real, when they leave our oversight in high school and college and they realize not, not all of these things that we said are terrible are all bad. There's some good there. And then because they find that there's some things that are good, they think they've been lied to or they've not been, they've kind of been tricked and that starts to undermine their faith. So instead, what we need to do is identify what the belief is or the way of living or the way of doing things and decide, is there any part of this that does line up or does coincide with a biblical worldview or a biblical way of doing things? And that's that might be something that we need to repeat. But what part of that doesn't line up that I need to put out of my life or I need to set aside or I need to recognize as that's not really what something that would glorify God or draw me closer to Christ. And by having our kids do that discernment on their own, they will start to own it. That's why the thinking part of education is so important. It's, it is important to tell and present, but if, unless we're getting our kids to do that discerning, mm-hmm. that um, thinking process, they are not going to own it. And they, we haven't equipped them with yeah. how to confront culture. Oh, that's such a important, important point that we cannot shy away from any conversation as a teacher, as a parent. Someone's got to press in and have that conversation and sit with that student in the mess 
in what they're hearing, because if we don't, this community that God's put around them, someone will. And you don't want it to be the community that God did not put around them. You are so, so right. And so we want them to have the confidence to have conversations with people outside the family of God so that they can, you know, bring them to Christ. But if we haven't armed Mm. them with the right thought process, they are going to just be kind of astray. Yeah, because I'm just thinking of one person I know right now. Um, they're just going down the path of accepting things that are clearly not biblical, but because they've accepted little pieces at little times down the path, you know, just really slowly, they've accepted little pieces along the way that now they're accept- accepting this big idea that is totally not scriptural, but instead is, um, and I'm talking about sexuality. Um, they've perverted what something, you know, Satan has perverted what God made beautiful. And so now they're accepting this really easily. And I just think it's so important to have those conversations um, when the little thoughts are coming, because it's somebody just doesn't accept something all at once, right? It's the little tiny things along the way, just like they're not going to get it all at once, you know, believe that God is the creator, they're going to get it over time. So the same thing is happening. Um, and if you're not giving them the true beliefs along the way, what's going to stand out? I mean, the the lies from the enemy. Absolutely. And some of those conversations can be very scary to have with your, your kids or friends um, because especially with the whole topic of sexu- human sexuality, there's even a lot of people under even what would be called a Christian umbrella that are not providing information that's biblically sound. So that's a case, that's a place where rather than getting fearful and saying, no, you know, that's wrong. You can't do that or stop talking about that or don't do that. Then you destroy the relationship and then the conversation shuts down. We need to keep those doors open and the conversation open, even if it's going to provoke an emotional response in us as parents or as educators to take a deep breath, ask for the Holy Spirit's peace at that point, and continue the conversation. It's okay to start on points that you you don't see eye to eye on. That's okay. And and that's another thing that kids of today need to understand. Just because I disagree with you doesn't mean that I don't love you. And a lot of what culture is pushing right now is that if you disagree with me, or even if you're silent on this, that means that you don't love me. And that's not the case. Our kids need to understand that I can disagree with you. It doesn't compromise my relationship with you, but we need, there is a right answer and we're going to work through this together and just keep that conversation open. There are some, again, some really good resources. Um, I would recommend that you look at um, Dr. Christopher Yuan. His last name is spelled Y-U-A-N. He is um, has written an amazing book on human sexuality that also teaches you worldview at the same time as you're walking through that. So I listen to it on as an audio book. It helps me process a little bit better, but that is a really good resource that I can tell you is sound biblically. So basically my takeaway today for sure prayer. Don't try to start your day without listening to God because He knows what's coming. Be in the Word. Be intentional yourself about being in the Word, knowing it. Be super intentional about learning a little bit more every every day. I, I was reading a blog on leadership, and it's so important when you lay your head down at the end of the day that you learned a little bit, a little bit more. Um, so it's not something you're going to 
become this expert on overnight, and that's okay. It's just spend a little bit of time learning from Jesus, from his word, in prayer. But also, there's so many outside resources that God has given, and he has written through people, his people. And so, just be intentional about doing that. And then Dr. Annie Gallagher has so many resources. So you might be an administrator or a teacher, you know, listening today, and you want to find out how you can benefit for her, from her knowledge and expertise. So tell us a little bit about Transform PD, how they can reach you, contact you, and anything you want to say about the PAC method that you created. Okay. So you can contact us through our website, transformedpd.com. And on there, you will see um, some links for the PAC method where you can see sort of a visual how that training program works. And then my email address is Annie at transformedpd.com. You are welcome to email me and ask any questions or um, for some supporting resources. Our primary focus at Transform PD is that we are training educators how to reveal that biblical truth in every content that they're teaching from grades kindergarten through 12th grade. So whether you're teaching Latin, whether you are teaching um, PE to second graders, whether you're teaching um, AP bio, we will um, provide training for those teachers in how to first understand worldview very basically. We don't teach worldview, but we just teach those categories. We teach them a, a really operational definition of biblically integrated instruction so they know when they look at their lesson plans, whether they are absolutely very intentionally providing biblically integrated instruction. We teach them how to plan their units, and we teach them how to actually execute those units during instruction. So I'm really honored to say that we're going to be working with North Star very shortly and just have such great respect for your organization and the things that you do. And then we work with brick and mortar schools um, internationally and in the States on how to plan and teach Christ-centered instruction. Um, we focus primarily on the thinking piece of that, although we are completely aware that you can't do good thinking without having a positive relationship with the educator, as well as working on those hands. How do I respond and live in a world from a biblical perspective? Mm, That's good. And one last thing I wanted to mention was, so at North Shore Academy, um, we do not just slap some scripture here and there, Uh sprinkle it in um, and think, okay, now this um, Algebra 1 class or this anatomy and physiology class, yeah, it, it talks about God. But um, we immerse our students um, to be lifelong learners, to be questioners, to be thinkers with worldview questions in the courses. And the more we rewrite, um, the better we're getting at that, the more we do it. So you're not experts overnight at writing a course like this, but the more we have resources like Dr. Andy Gallagher and um, training that our curriculum experts and authors go through. Um, we have a really rigorous plan. I think I said that before for our teachers, before they can even become an author, we have to see if it's a good fit for them. We don't just throw anybody out there to author a course. But talk about that, how it's not just about putting a scripture in a course. No, and it's it's not. And I just want to say, I have been so impressed the more that I have gotten to know you and the process of how you develop your curriculum and how you do your hires for your edu- your teachers. I am so impressed with the detail with which you go through when, when designing your courses. So they really are at the core biblically focused that you are designing not just with best instructional practices using what research says that if you want to teach, you have to do these things in order to teach well and have students learn well. 
not only are you doing that, but you're so intentional with getting your, your authors and your coaches and, um, your teachers in line with the fact that this is who we are. We're not just teaching content and we're not just coding it or icing it with biblical truth, but it is at the core of what we're doing. So you mentioned to me as you're getting ready to do your science adoption soon, the first step you're going to do is have those authors for that science course, the science courses sit down and say, what do we see from the biblical perspective here first? What are those key ideas that we need to make sure that we are promoting and, and helping the kids discover those biblical ideas as they are learning science. That is the absolute right way to do that. And I'll just tell you, there's a lot of brick and mortar Christian schools that won't, that don't do that or don't know how, not because they don't want to, they just don't know how. And you have put such a great process on how those courses are designed, how you're pouring into your educators, how your coaches are maintaining that accountability and the encouragement to your teachers so that you can be certain that those kids are getting um, content from a biblical perspective. It's not just an add-on. And you need to be commended for that as the leader and as an organization. I'm really, yeah. I've been really impressed. It's all God because he is called North Shore Academy. We're heading into our 25th year. Oh, congratulations. So super excited about that. Two and a half decades of just pouring into students because of Jesus and what he's done. And we know he's the only way, the truth and the life. And no man comes to him um, except through Jesus. Nobody gets to God. And so we just want our students to leave um, being a lifelong learner, like we've said, but being a follower of Christ. So in all of our community, no matter what mm-hmm. activities, we have tons of leadership opportunities and um, spiritual emphasis events. We have so much community. It's so good. And we're celebrating that in this 25th year. Um that they they really do have a place to hear about Jesus, and then they see it in the curriculum, and they hear it from the teachers, and and like you talked about our policies from admissions to discipline, it's all grace filled, and That's this simple. is not any one person. This is all of us as a collective team that God has put this passion and desire in us. Two key people are Bethany Walker and Amen. Shay Marshall, mm-hmm. and they've just done podcasts. You'll want to. Find those about our curriculum and about our resources that we use because we do not shy away from hard conversations. We want them to have them here. And so there's some parents that get upset, like, why are we reading that book? But there's a conversation we need to have. We want them to be exposed while they're with us. And that goes back to what I talked about earlier. It's much better for them to get exposed to those hard topics or those topics that maybe we want, we want to tend to shy away from. It's much better for them to be exposed to those in an environment where they know they are getting feedback and counsel from a believer. And then also the one step further is, how, what do I do about mm-hmm. that as a student? How do I confront this if it's, cause it's going to happen as soon as they go outside the door or they, you know, meet somebody at, at a sports program or something like that, that you're equipping them with a biblical response to those, those topics. So it's such fun. This is such yes. fun work <laughs> yes. because it's God's work and anything we're doing for him along the journey just produces way more joy probably in us than absolutely yes. than others sometimes. But yes, I just praise God for you. Praise God for this work. Praise God for Christian education and the opportunity that we still have today. Absolutely. We don't, and that's another thing. We don't know how much longer, how much longer are we going to have this wide open path that we can go down. Yeah. Even in some of our neighboring countries, our bordering countries in North America, they are, there's places where there are more and more restrictions on the ability to teach the truth. Yeah. So we should be thankful, 
so appreciative that we can hold a Bible in front of ourselves, in front of our students, and use it now. Use it now before it's too late. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am so honored to be here. Thank you too, Stephanie. Thank you so much for listening today. If you have any questions for our guest or would like information about North Star, please email us at podcast at nsa.school. We love having guests on our show and getting to hear their stories. If you have anyone in mind that you think would be a great guest to feature, please email us and let us know. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming stories.